Amen. And once you've greeted someone, you're welcome to be seated. Good to see everyone today on this day of the Lord. This is a day he created, and now we get to rejoice and be glad, and he gives us reason to be, okay? Anybody need a reason to be? Well, before you leave, he's going to give you several reasons if you'll ask him. Amen. And he can become the center focus of your life. You know, the kingdom of God is the father revealed in his son. That's what the kingdom of God is. His father, the father being revealed in his son. And God has limited himself to our availability so he can finish getting his glory. It's through you, through you, that he can be glorified in his identity. Now, has anybody ever felt like you were less than worthy? Amen. Our world is under attack, and identity crisis is top tier. And most of, most of the church world is battling knowing who God says they are. Amen. And today, we're going to hear from heaven about how we can have victory over this attack and how we can posture ourselves, amen, to let him come to his house, daddy that is, and glorify his name through us. Anybody want to reveal God to the world that you're in, to the people that's in the path that he placed there? Does anybody need a fresh word from heaven? Does anybody need evidence that there is truly saltiness and light, truth that makes us free. Amen. And what you're about to hear today is better said by a lady. And I thank God for Shireen. I thank God for him putting her together and I, her attitude towards him working in her life. And I want to, first of all, give thanks to Brother Dan for covering her. Thank you, Dan. She could not, and let this be clear, she could not give away what our father wants to give away unless she was under the covering of her husband. And Dan, I can't thank you enough for standing in the gap and loving daddy's daughter like you love her. Dan loves his wife. And uh, that has a lot to do with the passion you're going to experience from heaven through our father's daughter and giving away a powerful message today. You want to pay attention. There's going to be a lot of energy in it. Amen. I'm not, I'm not, well, she has a lot of energy, but there's going to be some fire from heaven that's going to help you realize enough's enough and that we are powerful. We are the salt of the earth. We are the light of the world. And Daddy chose for you to be that on his behalf. He wants his glory. Anybody want Daddy to get his glory? Amen. You're powerful and you can do this. So let's, let's give the Lord a hand clap he deserves as his daughter comes. Thank you. Oh, I love my pastor. So if this is your first time here, that is the pastor, not me. So if I make a man you don't like me, you can come back next week. He'll set you straight. It's fine. Um, I, I love you guys so much, and I appreciate the opportunity to open up this platform 
Not a lot of pastors will do that. that that's vulnerability. But pastor says, I don't own this. God owns it. And when God has something to say, it could be pastor, it could be Sean, anybody who's God's going to use, pastor's going to let him use him. So thank you. And I do want to honor my husband. This man loves me in such a way I feel God with the way he loves me. I'll tell you a funny story. We met, I met him. He was a line cook at Jim's restaurant, okay? And the funny thing is, is he worked with my ex-husband, who's also a line cook. And, and, and I didn't know him yet, and my ex-husband was always talking about this psycho lady that he used to be married to. And, and then so I go to this restaurant, and Dan kind of sees me through the kitchen window, and he's like, that girl looks kind of cute in that sweater. And so we get introduced, <laughs> and he finds out I'm that psycho lady. He goes, well, that psycho looks good in that sweater. <laughs> And then, okay, but then my first impression of him, he comes out, and I'm like, mm. <laughs> he's kind of cute. And then my friend goes, have him take off his hat. Dan, show her your hair. And so he takes off his chef hat, and then, okay, listen. Time, like, slowed down. And then this light, like, from heaven, like, shone on him. And then the angels were like, and then his hair was like, he was like, like down here, this long blonde hair, like Fabio. And I was mesmerized. And I was like, I want to marry him. <laughs> but I told him he tricked me because he had all that beautiful hair and then he married me and it all fell out. <laughs> but I still look cute in a sweater, just saying. But no, uh, we are very much in love all, going on 20 years. Yeah, okay. I'm the one that forgets that. So going on 20 years, and he asked me the other day, he's like, baby, you still fantasize about me? I'm like, boy, I'm actually fantasizing right now. You got them bulging muscles, and you're in the kitchen washing those dishes. Oh, oh, and then the vacuum. Yeah, work those. That's hot stuff. <laughs> Y'all know. Y'all ladies know, that is the truth. But no, marriage, um, I love being married. I love that I found the person I can steal the covers from and put my cold feet on for the rest of my life. But, um, okay, so we're going to get into the meat of the message. I do want to tell you a little bit about me. Because one thing I don't want to happen today is for you to make an assumption about me and let the devil use that to dismiss what I'm saying, okay? So I'm just going to set you up a little bit with a little bit about me. Um, high school dropout, got married very young, had a kid. That guy left, come along my knight in shining armor. But I'm a stay-at-home mom, homeschooling. He's working hard to take care of his family. Um, and I'm spending all the money that he makes to do that. So God got us through that. <laughs> but along came an opportunity God created for me. And I say he created it for me because literally, I, I truly believe it was created for me. Um, I was just looking for a part-time job to pay some medical debt off. And maybe if I liked it, I'd keep it and I'd have some fun money. And uh, entry level, pretty low-paying position. 
Um, accelerated, I've been with the company now for seven years, and I'm now the director of operations uh, for the division in this, of a multi-billion dollar company. Now, mind you, I didn't get a degree, so I know that this was, God created this for me. Um, and so subsequently, our roles shifted a little bit in that um, my career took off and started making a lot of money. And I mean, he, he's not making as much, but I also spend more. So God knew that I needed that. But I say that to say, regardless of the idea that I'm some sort of boss babe, God designed my role to submit to my husband. And he's not worried about how much money I make because that doesn't offend his role as a man. And so I want to shift these crazy ideas that we have of what it means to lead and what it means to submit. And so we have, you know, there's secular studies that um, will show how important the family unit is to a society. That's not coming from a biblical perspective. There are studies done, sociological studies that reveal that. But we're not surprised as believers. That is how God designed it. He set it up from the foundation of the earth. He created a male and a female, and he blessed them, and he called them Adam, and he told them to go multiply. And so it was set up on day one. And it was for a purpose. Because when you come into the new covenant, Jesus Christ, that design is reflected in how Christ loves his church. And so there's a scripture here that gives us a perfect visual of that in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of the water by the word, that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. So, he was talking about the church there. Now, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself, for no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes it and cherishes it, just as the Lord does the church. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. And for this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother, be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. I speak concerning Christ and the church. So I want you to grasp the marriage covenant of male and female is speaking of Christ and the church. So there's the scripture that says it. So you can't say I'm lying. All right. Where's the devil attacking? Our family? Listen, um, if you're on social media at all, you probably have seen, like, Me Too, the hashtag Me Too. Or, um, hey, 
do to stop mansplaining to me. Or, hey, don't sit like that. You're manspreading. What the culture has done is take everything about a man and say that it's bad. And the problem is, while that seems very obvious, like, yeah, I don't agree with that. I'm not a feminist. Um, We've let that toxicity and corrupt view seep into our lives without realizing it. And I'll, I'll give you a good example. Now keep in mind, this is my church family, and I know that our church family loves the Lord. But here in this church are our statistics. 59% of our active serving life changers, which is what we call the people who serve here, are women. 64% of our leadership are women. Where are you guys? Where are the men? Where are the men who are stepping up and saying, yeah, God designed me to lead. Here I am. I said, yes, Lord, send me. But not here to bash the guys. And, and let, me hear, let, let me say this. I, I want you to hear me. Nothing that I'm saying today is meant to condemn. It is not meant to shame. It is not meant to guilt. If your heart is pricked by anything that is said, know that that is the Holy Spirit in his gentle way telling you, I have something to say that will change your life. So don't take this and leave this building thinking, man, I'm terrible, because that's not what God is saying today, okay? So we have a problem in culture where men have been relegated to a lesser position, told everything about you is toxic, and you probably should be more like a female because we're awesome. We give birth. We bleed for a week out of every month. Could you do that? I think not. So I'm better than you. And then, so then you have this effeminate, uh, evolution of a man taking on feminine qualities thinking you know he, he's being a brave man by shedding his masculinity to be more feminine and now what God has designed to be so complementary to each other has become distorted perverse and corrupt men God wants you to be men didn't design you to be feminine. Now, when I say that, again, don't let the enemy come squeezing the lies in there. Women, you were designed to be a supportive role for that strong male lead. Does that mean you're not strong because you're not leading? No. A strong woman is on her knees. I um I came across a, an article online <laughs> that um, I'm on Facebook too much, y'all. Sorry, I talk about social media too much, so I'm on it too much. But I, I came across this article online. It said tips to look after your husband. Okay, 
So uh, l let me get your reaction here. Okay, so this again, 1950s home economic book. So this is for women um, to teach them how to look after their husband. So ladies, you need to have dinner ready, okay? You need to plan ahead, okay? Uh, make sure that meal is delicious and on time, okay? You need to be thinking about him when you're doing it. And, you know, most men are hungry when they come home, so you need to feed him, right? Warm, welcome. And, I, and then you also need to prepare yourself. You need to, if you got flour on you from baking all that good food, go clean it off. Freshen yourself up. Get dressed nice. He, do, he wants to see you looking nice. Doesn't want to see you all haggard. Okay. You need to clear away the clutter so he doesn't come into a mess. Make one last trip, like run that finger, no dust. Okay. <laughs> All right, and then, you know, after you do that, you need to clean up your kids because that man wants to see his kids looking like the little treasures that they are, so you can clean them up. And you need to get rid of all the noise. He wants a quiet place when he comes home. You encourage the children to be quiet. Greet him with softness. All right, and now what you don't want to do is greet him with complaints. Do not... Start telling him what went wrong in your day. He does not need to hear that. You need to make him comfortable. You need to have him sit back in his favorite chair. Just relax. You need to listen to him. Make sure you have open ears and just hear what he has to say about his day. Or if he wants to be quiet, just let him be quiet. And you need to make the evening his. Just make it all about Okay, men, uh, men said hallelujah. <laughs> the ladies are over here laughing. And I saw somebody roll their eyes. Uh, okay, so first reaction to this could be varied across the board. But I imagine for the most part, even if you're like, yeah, that sounds good, as long as he's being a good provider, as long as he acknowledges what I did all day long, as long as he does some of that back, but mind you, the article didn't say that. It just said, no, this is what you need to do. So let me, let me just tell you my reaction so you don't have to feel bad that you probably had one just as terrible. So I'm reading it, and I was laughing. I was like, <laughs> what the heck? What do you mean I got to do all this? And I work full time, and these kids, and he's just going to come home and expect, you know, to be treated like a king? What about me? And, and it was real for a second, and I'm looking at the comments, and, and I'm like, yeah, that lady agrees with me. And, of course, all the men are like, amen. Um, <laughs> uh, but I, God really just dealt with my heart in that moment, and I thought, my husband actually does this stuff for me. I, I wasn't lying or exaggerating when I said the way this man loves me, I feel God. Because I don't really deserve the queen treatment that I get. He's got a hard labor job. He works in concrete. He'll come home covered in concrete dust, cuts on his hands, come to me and say, hey, what do you need? What can I do for you? How can I make your night good? And I thought, wow, why, why did I have this reaction. Um, 
And that is because without realizing it, uh, culture seeped into me somewhere. Somewhere along the line, culture said, uh, yeah, that's not your job. What about you? You work hard. Now, mind you, back in the 1950s, not a lot of ladies worked. Um, but regardless, well, outside of the home. Uh, let me correct that. You're working whether you got a job or not. I just want to say that. I know full well. Um, you work hard being at home and taking care of that house and those kids and making it a lovely home. So as God's talking to me, I started looking through this. And he revealed some things. So I'm going to go back through this list. Have dinner ready. Have a good meal that creates a warm welcome. Isaiah chapter 58, verse 10. If you spend yourself on behalf of the hungry and satisfy the needs of the oppressed, then your light will rise in the darkness. So I heard I should be feeding hungry people. Prepare yourself by being rested and refreshed. Hebrews 4.10, anyone who enters God's rest also rests from their work. So, scripture backs that one up. Clear away the clutter and create a haven of rest and order. 1 Corinthians 14.40, let all things be done decently and in order. Prepare your children because they're treasures. Mark chapter 10, verse 16, permit the children to come to me. Do not hinder them. For the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child will not enter at all. Get those children ready. Minimize the noise and create a quiet atmosphere. Habakkuk 2.20. But the Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth keep silence before him. Don't complain. Philippians 2.14. Do all things without murmuring or disputing. Make him comfortable. Allow him to relax. Hebrews 13, 2. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Listen to him. John chapter 10, verse 27. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. Make the evening his. Psalm 118, 24. This is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. The goal is to make your home a place of peace and order where your husband can renew himself in body and spirit. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? You do not belong to yourself. God bought you with a high price and you honor God with your body. I'm going to make my temple a place of peace and order where my bridegroom, Jesus, renews himself, body and spirit. We are his resting place. So in this last one, I'm going to spend a little bit of time here because this has to do with identity. And ultimately what it boils down to when we forget our God-designed roles and the beautiful feminine design and the incredible masculine design, we forget who we are. So I want to spend time here for just a second. We are his resting place. Isaiah 66, God says, Heaven is my throne and earth is my footstool. Where is a house you could build for me? Where is a place I may rest? But to this one I will look to him who is humble and contrite of spirit 
And so God in the Old Testament is asking, where's my home? There is no building that could contain him. But in the new covenant, in the new covenant, we become that place for him. And so just so you're aware, you came here on Sunday. Hallelujah. I'm so glad to see you. God does not live here. When we leave this building, God doesn't just hang out and wait for next week. So we are called to live out every part of that article. So if you laughed at it and you're like, <laughs> yeah, right. I, I did that and I realized, um, I just said, <laughs> yeah, right, to Jesus. We are the bride of Christ. You're male, you're female, you are called his bride. And so when we look at the marriage covenant, okay, what, what, is, what does that look like? A man leaves his father and mother, his wife, they become one. The woman takes his name and she bears his children. Now, what does the kingdom look like? Jesus died. We become his temple. We are called his bride. He gave us his name. And our call and command is to go baptize and make disciples, babies. So where does the enemy attack? The two things are, are married. The marriage covenant and the bride of Christ, the church, they are married. If the family is sick, the church is sick. If the family's hurting, the church is hurting. If the family is all about feminine power, you get 64% of women leadership in a church that really loves God. So, Satan comes in and attacks identity. He says, woman, you don't need a man. You're powerful without him. Man, you need to be more like a woman. Man, there's this other side of it. Man, that woman needs to get in line, but get your belt and whip her into shape. I'm sure Dan's wanted to do that to me a couple times, but he didn't. <laughs> he thought about it, maybe. <clears throat> so he attacks our identity. He, if he can twist human sexuality, would, would we see that? I can identify as anything I want today. And you better agree with me or you're a hateful bigot. He'll attack our children so he can tell a woman, uh, yeah, that baby's a little too inconvenient. Go abort it. It's your right to do that. Mm, that kind of sounds like maybe if I just go like baptizing people and then I leave the baby there with the umbilical cord because <laughs> I don't got time and it's too inconvenient to disciple them. 
I'm not leaving anybody out. You're single. You've been through it. Maybe you've been through an abusive relationship, and you're like, you just, you don't know. You don't know what I've been through. Let me tell you, God knows, and his design didn't change, but his grace is sufficient. And so if you're sitting here today and any of this is like, well, you know, I, I really didn't live up to that. It's okay. I didn't either. I didn't either. Let me tell you, um, I, I grew up in a very divisive household, okay? My mom, old-time Pentecostal, fiery redhead, and my dad, Muslim, comes into this country. I don't know how this happened that they got married. It's just crazy. Um, but they get married, and my mom's very naive. My dad said, we worship the same God. It's fine. You get married, and um, she quickly finds out that that's not true. <laughs> uh, because they don't believe Jesus is the son of God in Islam. And she's like, well, uh, I'm going to just do what I want. And she went to church, even though he told her not to go. She had children, and she's like, my kids are going to grow up in church. And so she would take us, and then she would pay the consequence when she got home. And as I was growing up, you know, um, my dad had ideas about how to raise kids that were not her ideas. Um, didn't want me to shave my legs, didn't want me to wear makeup. And so my mom would be like, it's okay. Just don't, just don't let him see you do it. Go ahead and shave your legs or, you know, wipe that lipstick on before he comes home. And so I admired her for that. I thought, man, my dad is ridiculous. And here's my mom, like, standing up for what is right, getting physically beat for it at times. And so I thought, man, that's a strong woman. Now, don't, hear me. My mom's a strong woman. But the example that she set, first of all, is she was unequally yoked. So if you're praying for a spouse, be mindful. Because God's design doesn't change. And regardless of his belief, she was called to submit. My example that was set was, I'm strong if I think I'm right to do what I want anyway. And, and, I, and I am a moral person. It's not like I was standing up, you know, to go party and act wild. It was, no, this is what's right. And that's what I admired in her. And so I get married. And, of course, my first marriage was... I want to talk about that. We'll, we'll talk about Dan. Okay, so I get married to Dan, and he's a big old teddy bear. He's just, he doesn't like confronting. He's just, he wants things to be peaceful. He'll know 100% that he's right, and he will just sit there quiet. He's done it. <laughs> There's a post on Facebook that comes up every year that reminds me of my bad attitude where he was right, and I was <laughs> I literally yelled at him, and I was like, you're wrong, and he just like, and it came and bit me in the butt, I had to come back, babe, you were right, 
he's all, I know. I'm like, well, you could say, I told you so. Be mad at me. He was like, I know. I was like, you're making this worse. I know. <laughs> God bless him. He just doesn't, uh, he doesn't like to argue. And so anytime he did want to assert himself, that imagery of my mom, like, eh, no, that's not right. And so I did a lot of damage early in my marriage. With all sincerity, I thought I was doing the right thing. He's unchurched. He don't know God. He needs to listen to my Bible studies. (laughs) I had a kid for my first marriage. He's trying to be a dad, and I'm like, no, don't do it that way. In front of her. The point she disrespected him so badly that he, he almost left. He almost left. Um, thank God we decided we both made a choice we, we want to fix this, and so we just started chasing everything marriage. We went to counseling. Marriage class, we're there. Uh, marriage group over here, okay. Marriage seminar, we'll go to all of them. We, we, we got addicted to marriage classes, so I'm just encouraging you. <laughs> go, 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 go run after your marriage. Don't give up. Remember, we're talking about a reflection of the bride of Christ. I didn't fall out of love with him. God is love. If I got God, I can't fall out of love. So Myra said something at prayer. She said, uh, if I can't submit to my husband, I'm not submitting to God. And all this time that I was like, felt like I was telling him what, I, what was right, which maybe, I mean, the scripture, I, I was right. But I wasn't called to preach to him. I didn't marry him. God said, preach to that man. No. His direction was submit to that man. And and this whole time, and I'm thinking, I'm being this holy woman. I am rejecting the design that God created. And I, I created something that was corrupt and perverse and it was tearing him apart as a man, a father, and a son of God. Now, fast forward, I'm realizing I've made an error. Thank God he stuck with me through it. Thank you, Jesus. And I'm like, babe, you are a powerful man. You, God has called you in such a way, and you need to lead this family. Like, I don't want to lead the family. Oh, okay, babe. Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna try. And then, and then, oh, but don't do it like that, though. <laughs> I, y'all, I'm, I'm being very naked right now. That's literally what happened and in front of my children who I'm still now trying to unravel this damage that I have done because they consider me the boss 
and they'll come to me. I'll be like, well, did you ask that? No. I'm like, well, why not? Well, because well, he's just going to say, go ask Paul. <laughs> You're in charge. I'm like, oh, dear God, what have I done? And, it, and it's funny, but it's not. Because it, it, it wounds me that the example that I set in front of them was to demean my husband by never letting him lead. Women, when we ask the question, where are the men, we better go look in the mirror. We have partnered with a lie, and we probably don't realize it. Would anybody in this room disagree that God's design is somehow flawed? Is anybody going to, I don't see anybody raising your hand. So if we're all agreeing that his design is not flawed, then whatever excuses might be in our head, yeah, but he, yeah, but she, God doesn't want to hear it. His design is perfect, it's beautiful, and when you decide that it's not, you basically walked over to the enemy's camp and said, can I join your ranks? And you're making a march against God's bride. He has called her to be high, lifted up, and glorified in front of the world. That's supposed to be what attracts them to Jesus. We should be having an influence on the culture, not the other way around. But we're not. We're not. The bride is limping. Satan has crippled her because we have decided that God's design is flawed, and I have a justification. That man doesn't know what he's doing. That man is an alcoholic. That man doesn't know Jesus. That woman spends all my money. That woman... I'll leave it right there. Okay. There is... God's not hearing it. Because here's what he says, that man is my son. That woman is my son. We are the bride of Christ. How do we overcome this seemingly overpowering culture because we, we battle it. Sometimes we partner with it. And, and let me just say this. The bride doesn't attract the bridegroom because she votes a certain political party. You're not going to change the world with your politics. Now, I'm not telling you not to vote, but stop thinking that that's where changing anything happens. That's that's the world's system. It's not God's. And he's, he's going to take care of that, no matter what my vote is. But what he is calling us to do 
is to be the bride that glorifies him. And it starts right here. We've been talking about intimacy for weeks now. You don't get anywhere powerfully unless you're connected to the power source. And that only happens when we make a focused decision that the most important thing in my life is my relationship with my heavenly father. And that intimacy that is created in that brings about identity because God will talk to you about who you are. I'll tell you a little story. Several years ago, God, uh, I was praying. Somebody said, hey, ask God what he calls you. And I was like, okay, well, that's kind of weird. Do it. Sure, why not? So I pray. I'm like, okay, God, what do you call me? And I heard the name Shiloh. And I thought, no, that's dumb. I've heard that name somewhere before. It's just dropped in my head for no reason. Uh, Angelina Jolie's kid, like, that's probably where I heard it. It was on TV. And, and so then I'm like, okay, that's not it. And so I'm like, no, God, what do you, what do you call me? I kept hearing that. I'm like, okay, forget it. And so then, like, uh, probably a few weeks later, I did it again. I'm like, I don't really want to know what you call me. And I said, apparently, you call people things. <laughs> I want to know what you call me. And it came again. I was like, is this really what he's calling me? And then, and, all, and then when I was in prayer, you know, and God would talk to me, like, that's how he started addressing me. And I'm like, okay, well, maybe I am Shiloh. Okay, so now I felt like I had, like, the secret pet name that God gave me. And I would never tell anybody about it. I was like, no, that's just between me and God. He just called well, uh, a few weeks ago, um, I was praying. We were having 21 days of prayer, which, by the way, the next time we have that, you should partner in because it's amazing. Uh, that will be in August. A little preview. So we're having 21 days of prayer and fasting. I'm praying. And God brings this to my mind again about what Shiloh means. And I was like, I never even asked what it meant. I just thought he had a cool name for me. And I'm like, okay, so I go look it up, and, and here's what Shiloh means resting place he actually addresses me as his resting place and the identity that is connected to that and it's not just me so that's not my special name <laughs> it's not just me we are all his resting places we talked about earlier this is where this is his vessel where he has chose to reside in order to impact the world. So your identity is that you were so special to him that as soon as you invited him in, he made you his resting place. And that makes you powerful. So intimacy is necessary. You need to invest your time and your resources in the kingdom. We talked a little bit about, you know, just baptizing people and leaving them there. We do have a culture where... Um, We'll talk about it, but what it actually looks like is a sacrifice of your time to actually walk with somebody as they spiritually grow. Now, it's not bad to baptize. I can go baptize 100 people. Hallelujah, amen. Angels are singing, but what happens to them? As the bride, we're called to nourish and nurture those spiritual babies. And so you don't have time to not have time to disciple people because that's literally all God told you to do. 
We need to prioritize marriage and relationship. Now, that being said, again, not telling you if you're single, you have to be married. Um, what I am saying is that in a society that's crumbling, and it's because marriage has been taken off the platter is something that's even good. You know, divorce has lessened. You know that divorce numbers have gone down? But that's because marriage is the number one cause. <laughs> marriage has gone down. People are deciding, eh, that's too much work. So we need to prioritize marriage and relationship because there's nothing that matters more than the people God has in your path right now, which includes your spouse. Number one, let, let me say this. You're married with kids. Your kids do not come first. And I know that's tempting as a mom. Um, me and my husband have had a couple of discussions where, you know, our kids are teenagers now. They're working their way up and out of the house. And I'm like, oh, my baby. I wanted to leave. I'm like, y'all can stay. It's fine. I don't want you to go. My husband's like, get the heck out of here. You know, y'all ain't staying here. Like, I just want time with my wife now. My y'all's turn is over. And I'm like, oh. <laughs> but ultimately, at the end of the day, my kids are going to leave their mother and father. They're going to go find their own lives. I'm going to be left with this man that if I didn't focus on him, we're kind of in trouble. So your kids do not come first. And while that sounds really good, it's another lie of the enemy. Your children will suffer if you prioritize them over your marriage. And you're setting an example that will set them up for failure. Now, the last thing I want to say, how do we overcome this seemingly overpowering culture who seems to just dictate and destroy everything in its path? Fear not. Uh, you're going to stand up and you're going to say, submitting to a man is what all women are called to do. And uh, the world is basically going to tell you to sit down and shut up, cancel you, mock you, and tell you you're wrong, and have all the good reasons of why you're wrong. And if I'm afraid of that, oh, I've forgotten my identity. Jesus said... These things I command you so that you will love one another. If the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you're not of the world, I chose you out of the world. Therefore, the world hates you. If you're afraid of being hated, you've made yourself impotent. We say we want revival. Does anybody love revival? You know, I, I grew up in like the tent revivals and they just all, all night long, they're just praising and worshiping and it's like, woo, yes. Well, it started with one person who said yes to Jesus. You don't need to chase it. Revival happens right here. But as soon as I start worrying about what everybody thinks about what God said is true. Okay. So, men, 
where are you? Has Satan been telling you that you're not good enough? That you can't lead? Maybe he's been beating you up? You're a single man, maybe thinking, I, I don't even know. What, what, where does God have me in this, in this whole message here? You are powerful. There are men in your life who need the example of a godly man. Women, where's God, where's God calling you today? How's the enemy beating you up today? I want to do something. Um, lead, leaders of this house, life changers, men, will you guys come up here? Any life changer we have, man, if you will come up here to the front, please. Are we sick and tired of the devil coming after our families? Are we sick and tired of him destroying that which God has made beautiful? I'm sick and tired. I'm sick and tired of it. And I'm repenting for the part that I played in demeaning the son of God who God placed over me as a head of my household. All right. I want the rest of the men, if you will, come up and, and stand in front of these leaders here. There is, there is a move of the spirit right now because chains are going to be broken. They're breaking right now. You, as a man of God, are called to lead with strength and wisdom and righteousness and truth. And the devil does not have a say today. I want you to put your hand on the shoulder of the man beside you. This is your brother. This man needs you to be a man of God. This man needs you to walk in your identity. This man needs you to say, I am a son of God. In Jesus' name, women, I want you to come up here. Listen to what you're called for. You know what a boss babe looks like? This one. This is a boss, babe, and you're going to, this man can't do it without you. He's not going to be, he's not going to be able to be who he's called to be without you. Single, married, it doesn't matter. So women, make your way up here. We are coming beside these men, and we are going to begin to pray for the men of this house and the men of our community and the men of this nation in Jesus' name, God, I declare right now that the chains of distorted perversion of identity are broken today. We say no, no more. My kids will not grow up in a place where they are confused about who they are. My kids will grow up with a man who loves God, with a woman who submits to him because she loves God. In Jesus' name we declare, Holy Spirit, have your way in this place today. We say, Jesus, 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 the name above all names. If there's anything in your life right now that you feel is 
preventing you from accepting this declaration, I encourage you to cry out, no! We have the authority to tell Satan no and not partner with that lie. If you have not accepted Jesus as your Savior, that baptismal is open, it is warm, and it is ready for you. You are called to be a bride. You are called to rise up. You are called to be a light to the nation and to the world. Your home, you are called to be a light in your home. Jesus, have your way in this place today. We're going to worship. We're going to worship this morning. If you need healing, if you need reconciliation, if you need an answer today, worshiping God in these altars because he has healing for you. He has the answer that you need. We're going to worship if you need to go guess, you're free to go. But I want to encourage you, do not leave this place like you came in. We have a mission to go out and change the world. It starts today. We are the bride and we say, yes, Jesus. Hallelujah.